Welcome into the Golf Club Podcast, an original podcast here on the ESPN Chicago app alongside Randy Merkin. I'm Carmen DeFalco, and it's U.S. Open week. We're very excited about that uh, out at Wingfoot. And a special guest joining us on the Golf Club this week. He's going to be on the call all week long on NBC. Dan Hicks joins us now. Dan, thank you so much for the time. you got to be super excited that uh, you guys have the U.S. Open back again this year. Beyond excited. Never thought it would happen, guys, um, but it did. And uh, the crew is uh, totally jacked up and uh, ready to get back into U.S. Open mode after not doing one of these since 2014, but doing a total of 20 of them. So it's it's a little bit in our DNA. We, you know, we kind of we kind of know what we're doing with the U.S. Open, but it sure is going to be back. It sure is going to be great to be back doing it. Uh, I'd say so. And you know a thing or two about this golf course. It's one of those that I think golf fans all across the country sort of pine to be lucky enough someday to maybe set foot on or play certainly for us here in the midwest you look at the course and the venerable history there at wink foot i can't believe it's been so long since a major has been contested there but tell us about the course a little bit before we get into the particulars of the players because this truly is um it's kind of one of the, the the gems of american golf isn't it dan it is it's got the it factor you know that's just even outside of uh being set up for a major championship in this case the u.s open it's just Wingfoot is all about two things mainly, and those are the greens, the Tillinghast greens, which are unlike anything you've seen in the world, and the rough is up this week. They did a restoration, Gil Hans did, not only the west course where the U.S. Open has played, but the east course uh, in the last several years, and the drainage and the... Um, you know the condition of the course is the best it has ever been, and I know you you know you hear us all the time when we're on tour. Oh, this is the best this course has ever been, and there's no doubt about it. Wingfoot is the best it's ever it's ever been, and it's, it has a lot to do with a guy by the name of Steve Rabadou, who's the superintendent, who's a genius. And so when he was uh, you know given the keys to this whole thing, and the restoration happened, and the new drainage, they have sub air if needed, all of these uh, you know toys that he has in addition to you know manicuring a Mona Lisa of sorts, it all adds up into the the best. The, you're going to see Wingfoot shine like it's never shined before, and we can't wait to put it on television to show everybody that uh, it is special. Dan, I want to go back real quickly to you guys have the U.S. Open again. It's been I don't know I think four or five years since. Fox yeah, 2014 was the last one we did at Pinehurst, yeah. And I remember Johnny Miller kind of signing off with you signing off, and, you know, you guys, I mean, you're synonymous with the U.S. Open. How tough was that stretch where you guys did not have the U.S. Open? It was tough. There's no doubt about it. It, it gets in your DNA. It becomes a kind of a part of, of who you are and the kind of golf you do. And, you know, the U.S. Open's the U.S. Open. It's our national championship. What, you know, we just a year or two after we lost the U.S. Open, we gained the Open Championship, which is a totally different animal overseas and at played at you know some of the most ancient golf courses in the world. So that has been that was such a you know a great piece of uh, you know of you know, joy to have after losing the U.S. Open. The Open Championship is unlike any other championship. It's tremendous, and that's been incredible. And but to get the U.S. Open back. None of us could believe it. The way it happened, guys, was, you know, COVID happened and Fox had it and there started to be conversations about picking it up as a one-off, you know, since it moved from June to September and Fox had some other programming conflicts. So long story short, the discussions escalated and ended up being not only just the U.S. Open of Wingfoot, but the entire package which is, uh, I think, uh, I don't. We, none of us can think of something happening and the transferring 
of broadcast of broadcast rights in a in an event this big in anybody's memory. So it was uh, just really a miracle that it that it that it came back in our laps. So it's an unbelievable feeling to have it back. So what did you do the last five years? You watch it at home? Did you go to the <laughs> venues? I mean, like, how did you take in the U.S. Open? You know, it was, it's interesting you ask that. I, you know, I have three girls, and uh, they were they were born. The first one was born right around the time we started doing these. So. Unfortunately, I was not home for Father's Day for like 20 years, and, uh, and that w- that was tough. But it just became a, a way of life. You know, they knew that I was gone, and so when we lost it, 2015 was the first Father's Day. I was back in, you know, back home in 20 years, and had my girls there and everything, and it was really special. So I, I kind of, you know, I kind of really enjoyed that aspect of it, and I watched it. I mean, you, you can't help but watch it. I mean, absolutely. I watched everything that Fox was doing, and and uh, they got better and better at it as the years went on. And in fact, had a really good one, their last one at Pebble Beach last year. So I watched it. Uh, we had a barbecue. I'll share a quick story. We had a barbecue that day, my first Father's Day back in 20 years, you know, with some friends over. And uh, my dog started eating steaks off of everybody's plates, and I got really mad at him. So I picked him up. He weighs about 45 pounds. I picked him up. And I tore the ligament off my finger. Oh, God. <laughs> I had to have surgery. And so I was on the shelf. I couldn't play golf. So that was my first Father's Day back, uh, you know, after all, after doing it for all those years. But it's just, it's, now I can look back on it and laugh. But at the time, it was like, are you kidding me? I'm back here once, and now I'm, I got to get in a cast after surgery. So anyway, uh, I'm, you know, we're happy to do it now that it's in September. It's going to be a different feel, different course in many ways, but uh, just sensational weather here in the Northeast, and it's going to be awesome. Dan, you took over, I, I believe, golf coverage for NBC in t- uh, the year 2000, and uh, there's been some crazy U.S. Opens, but the one at Wingfoot, obviously, yeah. is the one you know we always go back to. And I remember, Dan, next day I was at, for some reason, my parents live on a golf course they don't play, but it was an Arnold Palmer car- course, and he came out that day to play nine holes and he was going through his like in the driving range and you can interview him. People could just talk him, ask him questions. Someone asked him about Phil Mickelson and he's looked, he just couldn't shook his head. He goes, I've been there. He goes, but why was Phil taking driver off the tee? And you were there. Explain what happened in 2006 to Phil, because that's you. That's, I mean, Phil still talks about it. Yeah. If it happens this year and Phil gets in contention after what happened 14 years ago, it could be one of the greatest all time stories in golf. We'll, we'll see if that happens. But 14 years ago was absolutely nuts. Uh, He went, he got to the 18th tee and he had a one shot lead and he hit two fairways all day long just to be, to have a chance to win the U S open at Wingfoot, hitting two fairways was ridiculous. And we got right to the shot just before Phil hit it. We got there live because there were so many other things happening. Other guys were, you know, melting down. Monty melted down, you know, ahead of Mickelson. And Ogilvy was in at plus five. He got it up and down. Anyway, so Mickelson's on the tee. And Johnny, the last words out of his mouth were, that better be a forward. And then, you know, the swing happens. It's a driver, of course. And Phil hits it off the hospitality tent, tries to get it around the tree, dances about 25 yards, hits his third shot into a fried egg left of the green. Ends up making double bogey and loses the open. So it was it was one of the most ridiculous. And now Phil has a reputation. Obviously, that's why we all love to watch him play because he's just incredible. You know, to watch the entertainment value. But this this bordered on this didn't border. This was ridiculous. And Johnny, I think, had his finest announcing moment ever 
describing what was happening. And he used a couple phrases like, Ben Hogan just rolled over in his grave. He also said, hey, I thought the U.S. Opens were about precision and shot making, but I guess I'm just getting old because Phil's got a chance to win this thing. And he said, lastly, he said, you know, you don't have to ride up, you know, on a white stallion to the 18th hole, you know, and, and make, you know, some birdie. You can just pick up a par. A bogey would have got him into a playoff. And it was just unbelievable decision-making. And Phil said, I'm such an idiot after it all happened. And we still talk about it. You know, I'm a member there, and I cannot tell you, every single time we're on that 18th tee, usually with guests, almost all the time, even with fellow members, everybody still talks about it. That's it's true. in everybody's minds, and it's the headline. And it will be continue to be the headline until Phil either you know plays himself out of it or plays himself into contention in another one. There. I read this morning, Dan, somebody put down at William Hill a $45,000 bet on Phil. He's yeah, 70, I saw that. You see that? They would get, if Phil somehow <laughs> wins, not only would it be a great story, that guy's going to win 3.3 schmill, not too bad. But did you, I mean, see the, uh, did you see the response, uh, the tweet that I Phil did. put out I did, in response? Yeah. It was he great. said, I hope I got a three-shot lead or something like that. He said, right? <laughs> he's been so like he's been so self-deprecating about it. We were talking the other day about, you know, he's got that, that Callaway's doing the promotion and the commercial, and he jokes, and he says, hey, uh, you know, what could go wrong with me right, at Wingfoot? Right, like, yeah. When have I ever let you down at right, Wingfoot? Yeah, right, yeah. Like, he's, he seems <laughs> like his mindset is perfect, but you got to wonder at his age and everything else and with the way these young guys play, like, is – there, it, it would be stunning if Phil were in contention to, to any degree this week. It wouldn't would. In the the courses, the course is harder. It's longer, and like we were talking about, oh six, it's never going to happen again. Yeah, a guy haven't hitting two fairways a chance to win the U.S. Open. It just it just isn't. It, it's easy to you know sometimes say never ever, but I cannot see that happening. And Phil has got to control it like everybody else does. He's got to keep it in the fairway. The rough is thicker than it was. And the greens are unbelievable. So, you know, uh, if he if he kind of takes, you know, checks his ego in at the door a little bit, and I, I'm speaking not only for Phil, I think a lot of the guys, Bryson DeChambeau's and Rory McIlroy's, I think they, they got to check the ego in at the door a little bit because you just can't spray it around that place. You might be able to get away with it for a couple holes here and there, but you just can't have any kind of consistency missing the fairways. That's your dog barking in the background again. Yeah, you don't, can hear him. Don't yeah, pick it up, Dan. It's a little fired, don't pick fired it up. up for the open, too. So. Uh, by the way, um, I have a couple other questions before we get to your predictions for this week. But uh, your call uh, in 08, Tiger's putt, I think it was like a 10-foot putt. I, I'm, I, I don't want to misquote you. I think you said expect anything different. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable call. I mean, I, I just thought that was great. But I, I have a question about You mentioned Johnny Miller. And I, I thought, and I still think he's one of the best analysts, not just golf ever, just – in sports, TV analysts, what was it like working with Johnny Miller? Because he sometimes seemed he could be cantankerous, and you know, and, I, and I've, heard, I've heard maybe you can clarify this. I've heard rumors that you know when he he would go after PGA players that they would be waiting for him when he got off the tower. It, any of those true? <laughs> well, you know what, it, it happened at least once, and I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you the quick story. First of all, it was never a dull moment with Johnny. He was the most interesting analyst I've never I've ever worked with. You know, and when you talk about golf, you've got to think of a million ways to say the same thing in many ways. You know, yeah, that's a birdie putt. That's a shot out of the rough. What's Johnny going to tell you about it? You know, what's new? What's, what's he going to give you new insight that he's been, you know, talking about for 25 years? So he's the best to ever do it. He changed the whole landscape and the way we broadcast golf. But we were at Doral years ago, and Greg Norman hit a shot. I was with Johnny in the booth. 
and it went way. It flew the green. Tony Navarro was Greg Norman's caddy at the time. And after the telecast, Johnny really criticized, you know, Navarro. He said, well, you know, and Greg was also, you could see it on the video, was looking, talking to Tony in kind of a pretty stern way as if you gave me the wrong yardage. So Johnny's like, you know, ripping on Navarro saying, yeah, man, he totally blew that yardage, you could tell, and you can just look at Greg Norman and know it. So after the telecast was over, I walk out of the tower I'm starting to come down the stairs, and here's Tony Navarro waiting at the bottom of the stairs with his arms folded like he, was, like he almost wanted to fight Johnny. He goes, is Johnny in there? Um, I'm like, yeah, he'll, he'll be out in a second. I go, you just have something to talk to him? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'd like to talk to him. So anyway, so Johnny came down, and they had some heated words, and it kind of got back to Tony in a, in a not-so-accurate way, which sometimes happens. You can have the yeah. wife or the girlfriend or a friend listening, and it just doesn't give the same context that Johnny had. So anyway, they kind of patched things up. But the players, yeah, they, they sometimes took offense to Johnny, acting like he knew what they were thinking. But Johnny was serving the viewer first and foremost at home, right? I mean, he, that's his job, and he's got an opinion. You may not like it. But that's ultimately what he's getting paid to provide. So he was the best to ever do it, and I, I still miss him. But Paul Azinger has done he has. an incredible job, and it just gets better and better. And so there could not have been a better replacement for uh, a real uh, broadcasting legend. Uh, I mean, is it crazy to bet against DJ Rom this week? Uh, the odds are short, but my God, the way they're t- the two of those guys are playing right now, Dan. And anything yeah. can happen in an open, I guess, but they are just yep. locked in. Yeah, Dustin Johnson has been has played the best golf of his career. It's 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 crazy though in golf, as you guys know. You there's that old saying: you only borrow it for a while, a while right? And and did, did Dustin Johnson hit his peak at the FedEx Cup? And then we had a week off. Did he? Is he going to be able to kind of rekindle that run that he had with four straight shares of 54 hole leads? So. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt him. He's playing that well, and he's got that cut fade driver that is really going to serve him well at Wingfoot with fast fairways that'll that'll trickle into the rough. So I like his chances. John Rahm is unbelievable talent, number two player in the world. He's his patience is going to be tested like it's never been tested before. He's going to make a, a bogey, probably a double. It 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 that you know the big numbers are out there. So it's all a matter on how he handles himself. But he's gotten better at that. So. Cannot wait to see these guys, the big hitters especially, and then the other guys uh, attack this golf course. Guys that keep it in the fairway. You're going to see guys in the leaderboard deep into the weekend that are not the longest hitters out there, and that's what's going to make this whole thing even more entertaining. Dan, before we let you go, and obviously you've had a great career broadcasting golf, and but you've done so much, so many Olympics. Is there one moment that sticks out to you that you're like, boy, that, that's the one that's going to be my highlight of my career? Yeah, it's a tough one because I've had a, you know, privilege to be at a lot of great events and be be in the right spot at the right time. But the, there's there's two things that probably stand out above the rest, and it's tough it's tough to to distinguish them. But the Olympics in '08, when Michael Phelps won eight gold medals and you know set seven world records and just I mean won a couple of ridiculous races that were right out of a you know a Hollywood script. And it was all live in prime time in the States because it was happening in the morning in China. And that, that stands out probably as the best week. Maybe the best moment was, was you know, probably the, the one you brought up earlier. Expect anything different. Tiger Woods in 2008 when he had to have it. And our, our crew was not just about, you know, my, my call there of those words. 
it was more about our crew and capturing the replays. We were high above with incredible shots. It was dramatic. We had plenty of time to set it up. So those two rivaled each other, and they happened within a couple months of each other in 2008, which makes it even stranger. But uh, been a lot, been a great journey. But those two, those two kind of stand out for a broadcaster when there's no fans. I mean, what what has it even uh-huh. been like? And and think about what the moments would have been like here outside of Chicago at Olympia Fields. The way that finished, those two putts, what it would have been like to have fans on the grounds. You know, I know, I know. We thought about that, and it, it's funny because we went into it. I went into it in the bigger event you're wondering what your reaction is going to be to a big moment. And that was obviously a big one, you know, with a FedEx Cup title on the line the next week. And so we just reacted. And and I think that there was a little bit of an atmosphere around the green. There were some volunteers and some various limited family members. So there was a little bit of a a mini, mini roar, not near what it could have been had there been 30,000, 35,000 there. So, we, but we got up, Zinger and I were really excited, and I think that it translated okay. It's going to be even more interesting this week if we get some incredible drama coming down the stretch. Um, you know, we saw the PGA Championship in Kalamurakawa. That was, it was great, but it lacked, I think, that, that those roars down the stretch that really set apart a sporting event. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, what happens with us and how we react. But uh, it's all about the players, and I think... Our job is to just get out of the way and let everybody watch it happen. Hey, Dan, this has been great. Really appreciate you joining us today in the golf club, and uh, best of luck uh, this weekend. Pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dan. Thanks so much, Dan. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay, take care. All right, so that was Dan Hicks-Karm, who, in my opinion, I think NBC, I, I like both coverage, CBS and NBC, but I think NBC has has the better golf coverage right now. Dan's uh, good. Dan's great, and he's he doesn't, I mean, Jim Nance is great too, but I, I think the way Dan handles it is great, and I love Roger Maltby. Yeah, David Faraday is great as well, and uh, Gary is it? Ho- I always Hoke or Coke? Gary I think. Coke. Coke. He's yeah. great as Big well. Big fan so. of that whole crew. You're right. Yes, and with great. Faraday on there, you know, you get the you get the Irish brogue. Right. You, you kind of need that. You can match his Faldo's uh, English accent. Right. So. Right. Exactly. You got to have that yep. for NBC. Yep. Faraday's good too. I like that whole crew. It'll be good. I'm glad it's back on NBC. I'm psyched for. Uh, for the U.S. Open this weekend, and you know, as he was talking about, I mean, it's gonna be brutal. I wonder if the, I wonder, do you think this it'll be under par, or do you think we'll end the boat? That's a tough course, man. You yeah. know, and listening to Dan talk about it, who knows it so well because he is a member there, about some of the changes and how long the rough. He was saying how long the rough is right now, and uh, you know, there's just there's there's no margin for error there. You remember in '06? I mean, Tiger obviously had a lot of extenuating circumstances surrounding him at the time. It was the first time he was playing since his dad had passed, and. Uh, but, you know, Tiger, you I remember always said, and this is going back 14 years now, but that, um, you know, he thought his game was still good. And, yeah, mentally maybe he was in a tough place, but that course ate him alive yep. those first two days. Yep. You know, and this is like peak Tiger right. in 2006. Right. He won the British a month later. I mean, yeah. it was like he was – and you know, there's just there's not a lot of there's not a lot of margin for error out there. And we, I, my lifetime, we I've watched a couple of major uh, championships at Wingfoot, and it it certainly seems like uh, it's definitely one of the more famous. It's definitely one of the more intimidating. I think even uh, maybe for these guys a little bit. So, you know, it could be where we're looking at scores that are right around par for sure. I mean, it's that type of yep. golf course that could play that challenge. You know, that could play that tough for them. So there's some there's some crazy eyes. I mean, there's this oh. field is gigantic uh, this week, and and it's incredible. There's no no um, qualifiers, right? right? This is it. I mean, right. because of COVID, like, right. you couldn't qualify to get in. I mean, right. this is as good as the field's ever going to yes. be, and it's always really good. Yes. But. 
but it's it's almost like too hard to pick. Like I, you, mean, you know, I mean, I think what Dan Hicks has said it, you know, is credibly the easy way to go is Dustin Johnson, but like how much more does he have, right? I mean, that that run he was on the FedEx Cup was insane. Insane. And his A game is better than anyone else's A game. So if he's on, he's winning. But I just Rom Rom's close though. Rom is close, but U.S. Open is so tough, and you have to have you have to even keel, right? Yeah, and he's gotten it's, better. It's, he's yeah. gotten better. But to me, I don't know, and I don't you know, like listen, everyone everyone has gonna is gonna spray some tee shots, right? No one's oh, yeah. gonna be perfect. So um, I don't know, Carm. I kind of like a guy who uh, he's starting to play better. He he's only played one or two tournaments over here, but I, I was watching him last week over in Europe. Tommy Fleetwood's yeah, thirty three to one. A couple weeks, a couple years ago, he contended for the U.S. Open. Um, I'm I circle Tommy Fleetwood in every major at this point, especially mm-hmm. for top five bets. I I'm totally in agreement with you. He's Mark. never he's never won a PGA event yet. I know, but he's competed in these, and he's obviously got the game for it. We've seen going all the way back to what it was, uh, 2017 at um, Aaron Hills. Yes. I want to say right, yep. like when. Yep. When American golf fans probably really started to recognize right. how good Tommy Fleetwood was, right. he he seems to kind of just hang around. I mean, I, to me, he's always worth a look. I totally agree with you. So you, you have a chance. I mean, so I'm going to go Fleetwood for sure. I'm going to go Rory just because Oof. I think uh, I don't know. New baby. He started playing a little better at the FEDA, at the Tour Championship, and then kind of fell off for the Tory, last couple of days. Uh, Rory just can't put four good no, runs together right now. I'm it's just, weird. but I, I'm just thinking one of these days it's going to click with him again. And, yeah. Uh, and here's a here's a couple crazy ones. Martin Keimer oh, yeah. has been runner-up two straight tournaments over in Europe. Uh, he's won a U.S. Open. He lapped the field in that U.S. Open. He won. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't I don't know if I'll think he's going to win, but I'm going to may, might go him top ten. Top ten. Right. Uh, and then Jordan Spieth. I know he's been terrible and he barely even played in the FedEx Cup, FedEx Cup playoffs, but he's 125 to one. Oh. I mean, when are you ever gonna get Jordan Spieth at 125 to one? Especially in a course like Dan Hicks just told us, where you got to hit it straight. Right. You know, he might not. He can't bomb it. He doesn't have the length that these guys do. Right. But if he puts it in the fairway, maybe. So, so are you in on that one or not really? No, okay. I will not be betting okay. Jordan Spieth. So, who else you got? I love your Fleetwood. You know, I'm a big Xander guy. The odds aren't going to be good. Xander is just 13 to win. Uh, 13 to one to win outright. He's just plus 285 to finish in the top five. But I'll probably be making a top five Xander. Uh, bet you know the way I feel about him, and he played great at the Tour Championship, with it, which helps. A good ball striker like that normally does well at U.S. Opens. Uh, Daniel Berger, to me, has yep. been steady. I mean, it's great. Tw- 28 to yeah. 1. I yeah. mean, like, Dan- you know, Daniel Berger has been good, and he's con- he's been competitive, and to get, uh, you know, a little bit longer odds, I'll be making a bet on Daniel Berger. Finau is sort of interesting, like a guy that can crush it and has got the game for it. I don't know if he could put four rounds together uh-huh. at the U.S. Open, but Finau interests me a little bit. Those are uh, those are a few that I'm certain. Okay, two more real quickly, or a couple more real quickly, that long shots. Uh, I'm sure you've never heard of this guy. He's 19 years old. Again, he's a European oh, player. I'm not going to know. Rasmus Hoygaard. No. He's 19 years old. Wow. Kid Karm destroys the ball. I've heard of Rasmus okay. Dahlin, who's a hockey player. Okay, no, that's not him. No, yeah. different guy. Okay, he's just, 150 to 1. I'm not, I probably, I'll probably do top 10. It's his first U.S. Open, so he probably Good won't. Good luck to you. He probably won't do great. 19-year-old at Wingfoot. 19-year-old at Wingfoot. Yeah, but these 19-year-olds are different. You know, yeah, like, that's true. I mean, look at Colin Marcao. Uh, they, 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 they got... They, they got big brass ones these days. Yep. You're not wrong about that, yep. Merck. Thomas Peters. Thomas Peters. Hasn't contended in a while. He's playing better. He hasn't come over here and played at all. Uh, he's 200 to 1. Oof. Yeah. And then another guy who just got in this week because I'm trying to remember who had the COVID. Uh, who, it was uh, Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler. Rookie. So, you know, who got in. 
Uh, uh, Brandon Grace. Yes, Brandon Grace. He's 250 to 1. He contended at Aaron Hills, if yeah. I remember correctly, to the final round. It kind of faded. Uh, he got the game for the, for a U.S. Open. He's got the temperament, so he has not been playing well. But I'm going to go Brandon Grace. And one more. I'm trying to find him here. Uh, he's had a terrible year. Um, he's won a U.S. Open. Gary Woodland? No. Oh, Justin Gary, Rose. Justin Rose, 45 to 1. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't mind. Justin won the tournament when we came back, when the restart started. You know, like Justin played well early on. And he, didn't, he, he didn't win, did he? Didn't Justin no. really compete? He, he finished can, second yeah. at uh, Colonial, right? right. Didn't yeah. he? He hasn't second won or yet. Third. Right. But then after that, he's been garbage. Well, yeah. No, I, I felt like he had one of their top 10, didn't he? Oh, I, he may have, maybe. but he, has, he, has not, he hasn't been consistent. 45 to 1. Gary Woodland, the defending champ, is 80 to 1, but he's been that, has he just been that bad? Just, oh, he's just been okay. Yeah. He hasn't been great. 80 to 1. 80 to 1. Dude. Well, I, mean, I guess Brooks Kepka won back to back US Opens yes, before Woodwind. No Brooks this week. It kind of sucks. Yeah. No yeah. Brooks Kepka. Yeah, I don't think we'll see Brooks for a while still. Yeah, I got yeah. the knee injury, so. All right, so that those are our picks this week. U.S. Open, baby! It's gonna be great. Uh, can't Let's wait. Let's go, Xander. Let's and then go, we got, we got the Masters, and we got the the tours. It's already started their new season, so it's, I can't keep track. It so never is this, ends. So is this the 2020 yes. U.S. Open or the two, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. But it's in the 2021 right. season, right? Seven majors in this calendar but year, that, right? Well, not the calendar year. In well, I mean, starting this, from now, the season. Yeah, they're oh, going to season, right? They're yes. going to play seven majors yes. in like the twenty twenty one PGA season. It's right, crazy. right. It's just so nuts. All right, enjoy the golf. Thanks right. for joining us on the golf club. Thanks, Carm.